Welcome to Real Testaments. The messages shared at Church of God Mission International, Church for Real. We trust God that through this message, your life will be transformed and you will receive grace to influence your world. God bless you. Praise the Lord. So this morning we will continue with the series on the kingdom of God. Last two weeks, I started this series, and I mentioned that, you know, I mean, uh, it's not as if there's any timeline for it to end. So we'll just take it as, uh, as we get along, you know. So, but definitely there are going to be breaks. So maybe we'll just do two, two weeks, we'll do three weeks, you know, and then do some other teachings. Then we'll come back to it again. And the last two weeks, I... The, talk, the subtitle I gave to it was The Fundamentals of the Kingdom. So this morning I'm going to be teaching on the fundamental or fundamentals X of the kingdom part two. But I pray that your word will liberate us. Your word will transform us. Your word will give us tremendous amount of hope will catapult us to that level where you want us to be at this point in time. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Take glory, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Okay. So, um, a very brief recap of some of the things I mentioned. Just a recap. I said that God's original intention is to extend his rulership in heaven here on earth. And he was going to do that through man. Man is to rule the kingdom on earth. And I said that for every king, his intention is to expand. Every king wants to expand. No king wants to live in his territory, you know, as small as his territory is. I mean, the, the success of any kingdom is based on how many, you know, expansion, you know, that kingdom has been able to do. So that's why people... Kingdoms fight wars. They want to claim more kingdoms. Okay? Therefore, God created man in the image and likeness so that man can rule effectively on the earth. The image of God means we look like God. So we are the physical representation of God. The Bible says God is a spirit. God is not a terrestrial being. God is a spirit. And so when he wanted to have representatives here, he wanted representatives that look like him. So we are the physical representation in terms of image. And so he also created us in his likeness. In his likeness means we have the characteristics of God. We have the very divine nature of God. So it is what God can do that we can do here. So God lives in heaven and we live on earth. And so what he could do in heaven is the same thing in terms of propensity that we can do here on earth. That's the original plan. Mm. The way God thinks is that that is the way man thinks. Therefore, man is to bring the mentality and the philosophy of heaven here on earth. Man lost the kingdom to the devil because he chose to follow the devil, who is God's number one arch enemy, and therefore ultimately became man's number one arch enemy. Man was no longer in charge of the earth, and the glory of the Lord left man and also the kingdom. Now, when we say glory departed, 
Now, let me try and let you know that glory is not those clouds that you see. You know, I mean, there's a whole lot of stuff that make, make us to believe certain things. And so, you know, when people want to describe ghosts, they bring somebody wearing white cloth, right? And doing like this. <laughs> and so we have that imagination as, as, a, as a ghost in our mind. Now, let me ask you a question. Is it possible for the physical eyes to see a ghost that is supposed to be celestial? Think about it. For me, I only know of one ghost, the Holy Ghost. And so when the Bible talks about the glory of God, it's actually talking about the nature of God. You can check that out. So it's about the nature of God, the character of God. So the glory means the nature of God. The glory is more than the cloud. I just mentioned that, that every one sees, for example. So it's the nature of God. The devil tormented man because he stole the authority of the earth from man. Jesus Christ came to restore the kingdom of God back to man, which he did, and he transferred ownership and authority back to man. And he said, my kingdom is not... It wasn't a physical kingdom. In, I think in um, Luke chapter 17, when they accosted him, verse 20, he said, you know, my kingdom is not what you see. You, you, it's not by observation. It's by, you know, what your eyes cannot see. Right now, it is what man says that God honors because Jesus Christ has restored the kingdom back to man. All those who believe in God through Jesus Christ will begin to manifest the benefits of this kingdom. The Bible says in John chapter 1 verse 12 that as many as received him, to them he gave what? He gave power, he gave rights, he gave authority to become his children. So when you are a child of God, it means that if God is a king, you are what? You are also a king. Hallelujah. Praise God. So that's what it means. So you now have the power to rule. Praise the Lord. So that's the point. So let's go now into of the day. Now, first of all, I have, I have like five sub, you know, titles or headers. Let me use the word headers that I'm going to be dealing with in the next 32, 33 minutes. What is a kingdom? Let me define a kingdom. I defined it last week, but I would like to define it again for the emphasis, for the purpose of emphasis. Number one, a kingdom is the governing influence of a king over his territory or his domain. A kingdom is the governing influence of a king over his territory or his domain, which means a king has a kingdom, and he has territories or domain. So a king lives somewhere where he administrates from. The intention of the king is to expand the territories that he has and also to express, hear this, to express his values, his character, his philosophy, and nature on his kingdom. So what we have, we have a king, his intention is to ensure that his subjects and everyone who reports to him in that kingdom think like him, analyzes like him, has his nature. Okay? So 
What a king wants to do is to ensure that the way he thinks, his intention, his good is, his intentions, he wants to cascade it to the subjects. Okay, so begin to reason in this dimension. God lives in heaven. He is the one we report to because we are now members of this kingdom. Firstly, let me read Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. Colossians chapter 1, I would like to read from Good News Version. Can you display for me on the screen? Now, the Bible says, He has rescued us from the power of darkness and brought us safe into what? Into the kingdom of His dear Son. So, you were before now in another kingdom reporting to another person who is God's number one arch enemy. That is why he could deal with you, he could mess you up, he could give you sickness, he can, he can finish you, he can say, today you are going to die, truly you will die. You see, because that is the kingdom of darkness. Because you see, what guarantees or what, um, let me put it this way, what makes a thing what it is, it is the nature of the person who is ruling over that thing. For example, we are all here, seated here now in this building, Therefore, this building is holy because we are holy. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, God, when God appears into any situation, because he's all-powerful, he's all-holy, that thing becomes all-powerful and all-holy. But when the devil appears into any place, because he's the devil and he's full of evil and mischief, that place becomes what? full of mischief and full of evil. That's the way it is. It is the nature of the person that automatically cascades into wherever he goes. That is why, like I mentioned in one of my teachings, I say your car is not holy because, you, you know, you say this car is holy. No, the car is holy because you are the one who made it holy. Am I communicating this morning? So when the Bible says we have left the kingdom of darkness, we used to be in that kingdom. We used to report to the Ogakwatakoda of that kingdom, who is Satan, the devil. But right now, we have left that kingdom. We are no longer reporting to him. We now have another supervisor. So we are in the kingdom of Jesus. And the kingdom of Jesus is filled with holiness, with righteousness, with prosperity, with goodness, and everything that you can think of, with eternal life, with good health. Hallelujah. So, that is the kingdom. Hence, the intention of the king is that every citizen of the kingdom will be and behave like him. Therefore, the concept of the kingdom of God is such that God is the king of the kingdom and everyone who believes through Jesus Christ becomes a citizen of this kingdom. How do you become a citizen of this kingdom? Let's look at John chapter 3. Very quickly, let's look at John chapter 3. Follow me carefully. I'm going somewhere this morning. John chapter 3, please. Can you be quick? All right. No, let's read verse 3. Let's start from verse 3. And Jesus answered, I am telling you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God without being born again. Let's go to 5. How can a man... 5. I am telling you the truth. That's very, very, I say unto you. Truly, truly, I say unto you. Jesus replied that no one can enter the kingdom without being born again and 
without, without being born of water and the spirit. Now, the concept of being born again has to do with you are born of the water and of the spirit. So, the water can indicate or signify the word of God and the spirit, obviously, talking about the Holy Ghost. Now, listen, when you are born again, it is the, it is the spirit of God that has performed what we call an internal surgery in your spirit. Therefore, you are no longer the same person that you were because you are now in another kingdom. So the characteristics of the old nature no longer exist. What now exists is the characteristics of the new nature. So how do you enter the kingdom? It's very simple. When you are born again, and being born again is not a ritualistic affair. It is... You believing in the Lord Jesus. The concept of confession is very key when you are becoming born again. Now listen, when you are becoming born again, it's not about confessing how many people you have raped, or how many people you have killed, or how many people you have stolen from, or how many, adult, uh, 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 how many women you have slept with. That is not confession. Confession is when you confess Jesus as Lord and personal Savior. God, see, the sins in this world, they are too plenty. The sin, if you want to be counting your sin as it were, you cannot finish it. So when I hear people say, Lord, every sin I've committed, knowingly and unknowingly. Why are you bothered about the sin that you did not know about? Those are some of the issues that religion has made us to see. That even when you walk like this, you have committed a sin. Therefore, you have to talk and confess. Listen, if you look at the concept of the new creation and the, the kingdom that we are now, it is confessing Christ. It is confessing Christ. So when you confess Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and that he is the son of God. John was talking in 1 John. He said, listen, don't believe anybody who tells you that Jesus is not the Christ. Therefore, if you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one, the one who is going to deliver us from our sins, therefore, you will be saved. So how do you get saved? You get saved when you confess Christ. When you confess Jesus. A lot of you, you are so busy confessing your sin that you have never confessed Christ one day. It is the confession of Christ that brings you into this kingdom. The Bible talking, it said, no one believes. Anyone who, 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 who does not believe that Jesus is Lord will not be part of this kingdom. You need to first of all believe that Jesus is Lord, that God raised him from the dead. That is how you can be a member of, I mean, a, a citizen of this kingdom. Now, let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50. The kingdom is not a physical one, it's a spiritual one. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50, very quickly, let's read that place. What I mean, friends, is that what is made of flesh and blood cannot, inherit, cannot share. The Bible, there's a translation that uses the word inherit, the kingdom of God. And what is mortal cannot process immortality. He's trying to say the kingdom of God is a spiritual matter. Let's read Romans chapter 14, verse 17. Very quickly, Romans 14, 17. The kingdom of God is a spiritual affair. 
Um, he said, for God's kingdom is not a matter of eating and drinking, you see that, but of righteousness and of peace and joy with or in the Holy Ghost, according to some translation, but this one is saying, and joy which the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit brings. There is a certain joy which the Holy Spirit brings. So by the time we begin to analyze the characteristics of this kingdom, you will realize, that is why the Bible said, be careful for nothing. That is, be, don't, don't be anxious. Why are you anxious? He said, but by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Because you see, in the kingdom where we come from, we are not anxious people. What is the worst that can happen after all? The worst thing that can happen on this earth is death. That's all. And if death happens, what did Paul say? He said, for me to live is what? It's Christ and to die is gain. I don't know why Christians put themselves under unnecessary pressure. I don't have money. I don't have car. I don't have this. And you're putting yourself under unnecessary pressure. Those pressures are some of the things that leads to the act of sin. When you put yourself into unnecessary pressure, my mates don't marry, I never marry. And so, you now key into the concept of baby mama. If you make if Kukuma give me belly, if you give me belly, I think I don't try. In the kingdom where you come from, is there any lyrics or any phrase like baby mama? <laughs> Christians don't study the Bible. They don't understand concepts of where they are from. Like I was saying in the leaders meeting this morning, identity crisis is a major problem. And I don't, don't, I don't blame you I blame, I blame what you've been hearing, and I blame the people who taught you that. Praise God. So who is the kingdom made for? The kingdom is made for us. Let's look at Daniel. Daniel chapter 7, verse 27. Daniel 7, 27. Who is the kingdom made for? Now, let's read that. It says, the power and the greatness of the kingdoms on earth will be given to the people of the supreme God. Did you see that? Now, this was Daniel trying to break down the dream and everything that he saw. Now, he was talking. He said, the power and the greatness of the kingdoms on earth will be given to the people of the supreme God. This is Jesus. Jesus is going to hand over the kingdom. You know, when Jesus Christ showed up, the devil told him and said, all of this kingdom of the world I'll give you, just bow down. You see, when your focus is about money, is about the things of the world, there is every likelihood that you are going to fall. That is why Jesus talking, he said, seek first in our you know, we're supposed to read that, but no problem. In, um, in Matthew chapter 6, it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Righteousness means all the rules, regulations, and all the things he tells you to do, begin to do it. The Bible says that Abraham was adjudged to be righteous because he had faith. He believed in God. That's all. Who is the one that declares you righteous? Is he not God? So, you see, if another person comes and says you are not righteous, the person is not making sense to you. If I have a child and I tell the child, anytime you wake up 7 o'clock, eh, is an indication or a guarantee that you are my child. And every time the child is waking up 7 o'clock, is he not my child? 
It's as simple as that. It is what I have set as the rules and regulations. That is what matters. So if God says, for example, that you are righteous and you think you are not, it's your mind that is playing tricks on you. God is our king. He's the one that has given us the rules and regulations. So it is what he says that automatically stamps. So when the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, so when we follow his righteousness, whatever he says... So, you see, when we, when, we get, when we drill down, you will find out that the fundamentals, what does a king really want? One of the things a king loves, I'll give you one teaser. One of the king, things a king loves is loyalty. Tell your neighbor, say loyalty. Are you loyal? You will find out that a king most times may not necessarily talk about competence. Because... A lot of people are competent, but they are not loyal. And a king wants somebody who is loyal. If you are competent and you are not loyal, you can go and do your own thing. In short, you can even overthrow him. And a king does not want anybody to, be, to take his kingdom. Instead, he will pursue you away. But when you are loyal to the king, it is what the king says. What are the attributes of loyalty? Obedience. Respect. That's what God is looking for. So if God says, go and preach the gospel to all nations, and you are preaching the gospel as far as God is concerned, you are righteous. And so God says, go and preach the gospel to all nations. You don't do that. Instead, you are sitting down in your house, pressing your phone, and you are criticizing Christians who are preaching the gospel. Maybe their life to you, not too, not too set. You say, see that one, say in life. You, you sit down for your house because you get data. You are criticizing another person. That person is doing what God said he should do. You, are you doing it? Ask yourself. You need to understand some of these things as far as the kingdom is concerned. So you see, the kingdom was made for the saints. That's some translation that uses, this one says the people of the supreme God. Some translation uses the word saints. You and I, we are the owners of this kingdom. Hallelujah. Lift your hand and say, thank you, Jesus. Let's proceed. We are making good progress. Now, let me deal with this matter. The difference between kingdom government and democratic government. Number one, in a kingdom system, the king is not voted into power. But in a democratic system, the president or whoever is the head of the um, government is voted into power. What it means is that a vote of no confidence can be passed on that person. But your king was not voted into power. Therefore, it is what the king says. It is what the king says that automatically stays. Listen, for you to be the, in the level where you are now, when the Bible says you are saved by grace, not of works, least any man should boast. For you to be in the level where you are now, it has nothing to do with democracy. People did not come together to vote and say, let's certify if the King Kingsley is really holy. Let's certify, let's vote. How many people? That did not happen. <laughs> because you see, in the kingdom, it's not about numbers. If you look at the teaching of Jesus, Jesus always talked about follow the narrow way. Be the, be the one that is separated from the rest. 
Numbers does not guarantee truth. That everybody is saying it does not mean it is correct. Don't get carried away. You can be the, the, the person who is standing out and say, if this thing is black and you are calling it blue, it is black. I will stay and stand my ground. Because in the kingdom, it's not about numbers. It's about the truth. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Another difference is that in the kingdom system, the king chooses the citizens, but in, the, in democracy, the people chooses the president. People go out to vote. It is the king, you are part and parcel of the kingdom of God because God has chosen you to be part of his people. Jesus talking, he said, you have not chosen me, I have chosen you. John chapter 15 verse 16. It was not the disciples of Jesus that chose Jesus. It was Jesus that chose them. So if Jesus chose you, who is that person that can remove you from the clique? That's why, you see, when you understand, you see, this were the concept that Paul understood. So when he wrote certain things, he said, wow, this is strong. This is deep. He said, what can separate us from the love of God? Is it persecution? Is it trials? What, what is that thing that will make God one day to come and say, I'll not do again. I don't, I've changed my mind. There is nothing that can separate us. Because God has already chosen us. And he chose us out of the abundance of the love that he has for us. There is nothing you are going to do that will make God to stop loving you. Or to say, I remove him from, the, from, from my clique, as the case may be. In the kingdom system, the king cannot be removed. But in a democratic setting, the president can be removed. Maybe by the parliament, as the case may be. But we have a king that is forever king. He's coming one day and he's going to take us to where we are, where he is, I mean. He's going to take us home. You see, when I see Christians who are so angry, every time your face they squeeze. Why is your face always squeezed? Christians are supposed to be the most excited, loving, most joyful people on the earth. The Bible says, if it's only in this earth that we have hope, then we are like all men most miserable. Listen, we will enjoy our life here. And when we die and live here, if Christ tarries, we will go and join Jesus Christ in his glory. Praise God. And when he's coming back to reign 1,000 years, we will come and we will reign with him. The Bible says the dead in Christ shall rise first. Hallelujah. So when you leave church, be happy. Whether you, do, you get money for pocket, you don't get money for pocket, be happy. People come to church, they're so angry. Praise the Lord, how, how are you? Why, why are you so angry? Listen to me, anger does not translate to spirituality. Sometimes when we're growing up, we felt that, when you, you know when you don't pray, come out for a room, your eye is red, you are angry. Who are you angry? Who are you angry for? Devil, where Jesus don't deal with Jesus has dealt with the devil already. Who are you angry for? When you come out and you have prayed, you have had a fantastic intercourse or romance with your father. Therefore, you should come out and be happy. For <laughs> I want to say something, but let me chill. It's a misenvironment. Maybe like saying our couples meeting yesterday now for, for talk this thing. Hallelujah. I'm just saying be happy. 
Be happy, be joyous. Hallelujah. Now listen to this one. This one is good. In the kingdom system, the word of the king is the constitution. But in a democratic system, they write constitution and give it to a president to sign. So in that constitution, if anything about his death is written there on his own or your. But in a kingdom system, it is the, what the king says that is final. When you go through history and you talk about kingdoms, for example, very powerful kingdoms. You saw it was even predicted in the Bible. One of the most powerful kingdoms that have ruled this earth, that is the Roman Empire. Where do you think this word came from? I mean, this symbol came from? From the emperor, from Caesar. When Caesar sits in his chair and he does this, the person is a gunner. The person should die. But when he says this, the person leaves. Kings are powerful. And once they give their word, there is no deliberation. You don't, you don't need to go and say, let's go and think about it. Once a king talks, that is the end. Oh, Jesus Christ is so powerful. When Pilate was talking to him, you see, you see, the trial of Jesus was more political than religious. A lot of people think it's religious. No. You see, that is why the Jews could not try Jesus, because they were religious people. So they took him to Pilate. And when he got to Pilate, and Pilate asked him, are you a king? Because when we talk about king, we are talking about authority. And Jesus said, you have said it. He said, if you don't want to talk, don't you know I have the power? And Jesus Christ said, listen, you don't have that kind of power, except, except you are giving that power. Hallelujah. He said, you have said it. When he was on the cross, Listen to this. I want, you, I want to begin to change your mindset. When he was on the cross and the thief, that was, one was on his left and one was on his right, and one of them said, say you get power. If you have power, save us now. You are doing all these things. You say you will destroy the temple in three days. I mean, you destroy the temple. After three days, you, you build another one, blah, blah, blah. And the other one said, what are you talking about? We are guilty of the crimes that we have committed, but this one is innocent. And he said, please remember me. And Jesus Christ looked at them and said, listen, young man, tonight you will be with me in paradise. Tonight you will be with me in paradise. Is a king that has the power to say that. Is a king that has the power to say that. Look at Jesus walking on the road in, in, in Jerusalem or maybe Galilee or Bethlehem, you know, all the, all the towns in, in Israel. And he meets people and say, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven because I have showed up. The one who has the ability to cleanse sinners have showed up. So listen to me. It is not what your neighbor says that matters. It is what the king of kings that is your father says that matters. Let nobody judge you based on the life that you live. Let God be your judge. You are a member of this kingdom now. You are not a member of the kingdom of darkness. Let God be your judge. The way some people are looking at me, they are wondering what kind of gospel is this. But to be honest with you, we are just getting started. 
In the kingdom system, the words and pronouncement of the king is the law. When the king speaks, the Bible says where the word of a king is, there is power. It is a law. That is why the Bible talks about decree. It is what you bound here that will be obeyed in heaven. Your word is a law. When God speaks, it is stamped. You see, confession is very powerful. Now, not confession of sins as it were. Confession of life issues. The Bible says, as a man speaketh in his heart, I mean, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Life and death is what? In the power of the tongue. Now, because you are a believer, what you say is very, very strong. So you need to ward up your life with the word of God. Say good things about your life. Look at the mirror and say, I am beautiful. I am created in the image and likeness of God. That contract that I'm going for today, when they see my face, oh God, they shall see the favor of God. Oh, begin to speak good things about your life. Don't look at your life. Say, this is my life. Don't feel this show. Ah, 40 years, I never hammer. Ah, I don't, my life is gone. Why will your life not be gone? Why will your life not be gone when you don't use your mouth say your life is gone? Where is your life going, sir? You must confess good things with your mouth because you see, what you say is a law. What you say is a law. Stop complaining because in the kingdom where we are from, we don't complain. It is what we say. That is what, what, that is what we want to see come to pass. Now, in the kingdom system, the king takes care of the citizen, but in democracy, it's the other way around. Matthew 20, 20 to 28. If you read that place because of time, you'll see Jesus Christ talking about him taking care of us. In kingdom system, the king rulership do not have a tenor. But in democracy, there's tenor for five years, four years as the case may be. In the kingdom system, the king does not need to consult anyone to make any pronouncements. That is why if God wants to bless you today, he doesn't need to hold a meeting with anybody. All he needs to do is to, maybe if he wants to hold a meeting, maybe it's to consult the Godhead. Let's, let's go and bless my daughter Ruth. And he, he sends one of his angels to go and dispatch the blessing. In this series, we are going to learn about angels. Angels are soldiers. They are the ones protecting this kingdom, and they reside in heaven. They don't reside on earth. And we are going to see that angels take instructions from God. They don't take instruction from man. But you can pray to God to say, send angels. And it is the discretion of God to release the angels. Check the scriptures. Angels were released by the instruction of God. Or anytime you see the oppression of angels, they were, on the, they were working based on the instruction of God. Hallelujah. Oh boy. Let me rush this. The, king, the difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. Now, if you read the gospels very carefully, Matthew was always using the kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of heaven, kingdom of heaven. But guys like Luke and Mark use more on, uh, about the kingdom of, they talk more about the kingdom of God. Now, 
People will say, okay, they are used interchangeably. But based on Rema and Revelation, I discovered that you know, I've already dealt with the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is a place. It's more of a place. Okay? It's a spiritual place. Okay? But you see, these guys, based on their understanding and based on how certain translations were captured, you know, is as if they were used interchangeably. For example, there is an account of Jesus' parable. Jesus gave a story. Matthew was recording it. He said, Matthew said, the kingdom of heaven. But Mark, when Mark was telling the story, Mark said, the kingdom of God. Okay? But the truth is, the kingdom of heaven is a place why the kingdom of God is the one that I've been dealing with all morning. Now, when you read about the kingdom of heaven, when Jesus was making reference to the kingdom of heaven, you will find out that there were certain things that he was trying to bring to the fore, certain lessons or things that happen, characteristics of the kingdom of heaven. For example, is a place. That's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 19, please project that for me. Matthew 16, 19. I need to read that place. Matthew 16, 19. From good news, Matthew 16, 19. If you don't have good news, give me King James. I can get the information from King James as well. Matthew 16, 19. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and what you prohibit. Do you see that? That's dangerous. He said what you prohibit on earth will be prohibited in heaven. Did you see that? And what you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Now, when you just propose these two, the earth is a place, not be so. So he's also saying that heaven is a place. In heaven is a place. So he's saying that it is what you permit here. Because you see, like I mentioned before, that the kingdom of God was a translation of what happens in heaven. God was expanding his kingdom. And so you are the one running things here. Are you getting it now? So it is what you say here that automatically gets ordained in heaven. And heaven is a spiritual place. So you can also say that the kingdom of heaven is a reward of those who are citizens of the kingdom of God. If you die today as a citizen of the kingdom of God, you go to the kingdom of heaven. That is the place where God or Jesus Christ is. Life continues. God never intended for man to die. Man will never die. When you live here, after you have spent 90, 100, 120, even if you spend 200 years, my brother, one day you will come out. You don't see 120 year old man, you know, if he talk, he cannot even walk with stick. Because life here is temporal. See, one of the major or wrongest messages we have been told is that everything is here. And so you see people dying, killing people for money. I don't get it. For money and different things. When you stand before God, what are you going to tell him? You are under pressure. You should not be like the children of the world. You are a citizen of the kingdom of God. Therefore, your reward is kingdom of heaven. So you see things like a place is a progress. Prosperity is an invaluable asset. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44 to 46. I'm saying this scripture so that you can get it from the system. Uh, joy unspeakable. I'm talking about the kingdom of heaven now. Joy unspeakable. Matthew 13, 44 to 46. 
the kingdom of heaven talks about accountability, Matthew 25, 14 to 30. Humility, talks about humility. You know, when they brought children to him and, and they were trying to pursue them, he said, no, this is, these children are such, such is the kingdom. If you, must, if you must enter the kingdom, you must be like these children. So humility, Matthew chapter 18, verse 3, Luke chapter 19, 11 to 27. Sacrifice, Matthew chapter 19, verse 23. Authority and dominion, Matthew chapter 13, 31 to 43. Judgment. Matthew chapter 13, 47 to 52. Result, multiplication, and productivity. Matthew chapter 25, 14 to 30. Luke 19, 11 to, to 27. It talks about wisdom. All these are the teachings of Jesus. The kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. You know, at the end of the day, the message, the message was trying to preach are these things that I'm mentioning. Matthew, wisdom, Matthew chapter 25, 1 to 13. Forgiveness. Matthew chapter 18, 21 to 35. Preparedness and discipleship. Or, or sorry, the preparedness and discipline. Matthew chapter 22, 1 to 14. Eternal life. Luke chapter 18, 29 to 30. Service. Matthew chapter 20, 27 to 28. Remember the mother of John and James. I mean, they had money according to the Bible. And they came, the mother came to Jesus and said, hey, when you become king, that's what he said. Put one here and put one there. And Jesus said, ah, what are you talking about? That is my father's jurisdiction. That is for my father to say. And he made some other comments. And the Bible says the remaining disciples, they were not happy with what John and them. Um, he said, are you ready to suffer with me? And they said, yeah, we are ready. And they were not happy with James and John. And Jesus Christ said, listen, this kingdom is not about who is your guy. It's not about who is on my left or who is on my right. It's about service. You must be a servant. You must be a servant. That's what Jesus was saying. So the kingdom of heaven can be likened to service. Matthew 20, 27 to 28. Perseverance. Acts chapter 14, verse 22. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6. Verse 6. It, it can also be likened to reward. Luke chapter 18, 19 to 30. Obedience. Matthew chapter 7, 21. And righteousness, Matthew chapter 5, verse 20, and Romans chapter 14, verse 17. Rise up on your feet. Hallelujah. Like I said, if you read the Gospels, they are used interchangeably, but based on information and deep revelation, the kingdom of heaven is a place. Hallelujah. And the kingdom of God is the spiritual government that God has handed over to the believers to run things here. And for you to be part of that government, you have to be born again. If you are not born again, you cannot be a part of that government. That's the truth. Listen to this. There is a kingdom that transcends beyond what we see. There is a kingdom that transcends beyond what we see. Jesus Christ had the, had the power to become the richest man on earth here. But he was showing us that, listen, I have come to show you power. They came and they accused him. They said, why do you not pay tax? And he said, is it tax that is my problem? Tax is not my problem. And he gave an instruction. That is a king talking. He gave an instruction. And he said, go and cast the first hook. The first fish you cast. Tear it. When they opened it, they saw more. Did they not pay tax? So why are you running up and down? Listen, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom. Let's follow the kingdom. What does it mean to seek? To seek means to pursue, to follow. Let's follow the kingdom. 
kingdom business is the number one business of every child of God. Not pursuing money and cars. All those things are mundane things. Jesus didn't say you should pursue cars and money, husband and wife and children. All these are the things that the children of the world are pursuing because they know their end is on this earth. Our end is not here. Our end is in heaven. So we must pursue the one who has given us commandment. That is it. People go for all night praying. What are they praying for? They want to buy a car. Ah, ah, ah. What is that? Did Jesus die so that you have a car? No. How many demons have you casted out? The other day you saw somebody epileptic on the ground dying. You followed the run and bush. How can you? Why didn't you go there? Lay hands and restore the person to life. That is Jesus. That is the kingdom business. You saw someone. You saw someone. You saw someone. Instead of you preaching the gospel to her, you are talking of how to toast her so that you can take her home and sleep with her. Fornication and adultery. That is not kingdom character. They gave you money to do business. You are thinking of how to cheat the other person. Listen, as a kingdom man, you don't have the predisposition to cheat. I condemn Yahoo business. I condemn every form of unrighteousness. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. Raise up your hand this morning and say, Father, I'm going to do kingdom business. I'm going to win souls for your kingdom. I'm going to raise the dead in the name of Jesus. I am going to heal the sick in the name of Jesus. Listen to me, there is no time. You are 45 years old. Add 40 more years to your age. You will become an old man. What is your testimony? Your testimony is that you bought five cars. You have seven companies. Is that a testimony? Your testimony should be, I have won one million souls to Jesus. You must reset your mindset today. It is kingdom business. When we pursue kingdom, God will meet our needs. Let's stop following needs and let's pursue kingdom. Praise God. This message was brought to you by Church of God Mission International, Church for Real. For more information, log on to our website at www.churchforreal.org. Church for Real. Influence your world.